0: Okay, well, can you come to some teaching uh, today on the Holy Spirit? And I've mentioned in the children's talk really just what uh, Pentecost really means, just in case anybody is in any doubt. But it's quite interesting, isn't it, that the fire of God falls upon Mount Sinai at the time of the giving of the commandments. And at the 50th day after the Passover, after Jesus rose from the dead, if you like, God chooses that day where the crowds come into Jerusalem to put his fire as it were upon the heads of the 120. Twenty in the upper room. So fire upon the mountain and also fire coming upon that gathering, the 120 gathered in the upper room. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to have some teaching on the Holy Spirit and it's all going to be centred on the one passage of scripture and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So, if your Bible's open at First Corinthians chapter two, uh, and i 'll not read it at the moment, what we 'll do is we 'll read it as we go through this talk because the teaching on the Holy Spirit is just so important to the Church of Christ. Somebody said this that if the Holy Spirit were withdrawn from the church, ninety percent of what we do will continue. No do we know the difference that 's quite a statement. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church, 90% of what we do would just continue. Because a lot of what happens in church life is not linked to what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches or, or being dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Now, what we find in the Word of God is that the Holy Spirit is just so important to every aspect of our Christian life. We were born again, the Bible tells us, by the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no new birth. We are born again of the Holy Spirit. And there's no growing in the Christian life. There's no witnessing to others in the Christian life unless we are filled by the Spirit of God. And the Bible teaches us through Jesus that when the Holy Spirit becomes upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so we just can't function without... The gift of the Holy Spirit. In a very real sense, the Holy Spirit was God's birthday gift to the church. And many people will say that Pentecost, the celebration of the church at Pentecost, is really the the birthday of the Christian church. That's when the Christian church was born in that sense, at Pentecost. And so the Holy Spirit is so important to us. This lady said to D.L. Moody, who was the great evangelist before Billy Graham and before that time, said to D.L. Moody, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? He says, yes, but a leak. Now, of course, uh, D.L. Moody would be the first to say that the Holy Spirit is not a liquid. Although the Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. He would be the first to say that the Holy Spirit is a person. The third person of the Trinity, and that's so important to grasp. I don't want to say any more about the background here, because I want to share with you this teaching that we find in First Corinthians chapter two. It's just packed full of wonderful teaching on the inner life of the Holy Spirit, or the the inner life of the Spirit and the believer, the inner working of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's something that each one of us needs to know. How the Holy Spirit works in your life and in my life. And all this teaching, as I've said, is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The first point is found in verse 4. Look at verse 4. Let me read that to you. My message, says Paul, and my preaching, were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And so the first point regarding this inner working of the Holy Spirit is this, demonstrating God's unique power. That's one of the ways that we learn from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that the Holy Spirit works in your life and mine, demonstrating God's unique power. And what we find here, Paul is looking back on the beginning of this church at Corinth. He's looking back at the way in which the church started. And he calls to mind his ministry when he was among them. And it's significant. that the first thing he testifies to in the founding of this church is the demonstration of God's power by his Spirit. Maybe remember that Corinth was a terrible area. Can you imagine 1,000 prostitute priestesses descending from the hills into that city? It was just a a wallowed-in sin. You can just imagine it. And Paul says, when I came to you, I came to you in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. Before we look at verse 4, I want you to find out here in this passage what he states he did not do. He says he did not come motivated by the flesh or with fancy speech or displaying his great wisdom. The thing is, Paul could have put on a fantastic display of knowledge. Because he sat at the feet of one of the greatest Jewish teachers of that time, Gamaliel. He had so much he could boast about, so much knowledge, so many degrees if you want to put it that way. But something happened to this man. He was stopped in his tracks on the way to Damascus. He was wonderfully converted. And because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, the direction of his life was radically altered. He was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. But here he was, somebody who was advanced degrees and relentless passion. And he said, I count all that like refuse, like dung, for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. Is that not amazing? It's like somebody having all these degrees. Somebody used to say that the ministers come into the church by degrees and move, the people move out by degrees. But never mind. They have all these degrees, all these certificates, you know. And it's like having all these things. And Paul said, I really am putting them in the drawer. They, they don't need anything to me. For the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Saviour. Now look at verses 2 and 3 of chapter 2. For I resolved, he says, to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I come to you in weakness, in fear, and with much trembling. Just um, ponder that for a moment. Ponder Paul's self-description. A description of himself. Fear Weakness and trembling. I reckon you could not even have guessed one of these had you not known that scripture was there. Paul was such a a powerful man. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And yet he said, when I came to Corinth, I came in weakness, I came in fear, I came in trembling. That is quite an amazing confession. And the fact is, of course, that Paul wasn't an eloquent preacher. There was somebody else who could preach a lot better than Paul, and that was Apollos. He had a lot of things to learn, Apollos, but he was a finer preacher than Paul was. But Paul is honest and blunt about himself, and I find it such an encouragement that, when Paul said, when I came to you lot, it was really in weakness and fear and in trembling. I just find that encouraging, isn't it? To be totally honest with the Church of Christ. To be totally honest with God about how you actually feel about situations there. And I find that encouraging. And it may seem strange to you, but the Bible teaches that when we sense that fear and that weakness and that trembling the most, the Holy Spirit is able to do his greatest work. Now I find that incomprehensible to be weak and fearful and trembling and yet at the same time to find the Holy Spirit's power coming into our lives that is quite something. And so we find, of course, you'll have to look it up, I'll just read it to you from Second Corinthians 12, verses 18. You know the verses yourself. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. That was that thorn he had in the flesh. But he said to me, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me and that's why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses in insults, in hardships in persecutions, in difficulties for when I am weak then I am strong that's amazing when I am weak then I'm strong that is ironic it's just a, a complete opposite Because sometimes, don't we feel weak? Do we ever feel fearful? Do we ever tremble? at some of the situations we go through. And here's Paul saying that, when I'm feeling like that, his grace is made perfect. And weakness. I was listening to a, a program through the night. Sometimes I just wake up. I don't know what it is. Maybe the heat? I wake up and I was listening to the World Service and there was an amazing program on through the night. I nearly got up to record it somewhere. I could I said by the time I get the, the recorder it'll be away. But it was all about missionaries and persecution. And they had missionaries talking about their evangelical faith and the cost to some people this missionary he says well he says I was sharing the faith with this young lad and he was a Muslim fella came right through for Jesus wonderful conversion story but he knew his life was in danger he actually went away from the area I think Somola island, Somola, wasn't it he went away from that area but he wanted to come back and see his mum came back to see his mum and they, they took him and they shot him two times through the head and through the chest and they brutalise him first, all because of Jesus. And this man, he was speaking on the prong. He was seventy years of age. He come through the mission field in difficult areas. He says two men came to him, or four men came to him. He says and told me, "You are going to be killed next week." Oh, he says that is amazing. He says I'm sixty-two years of age. He says, and, and he says it's um, it's no loss to me. He says if I get if I get killed, I, I just go right to be with the Lord. He says, I go right to be with the Lord. I, I enter into eternity, into heaven. He says, that's my destiny. He says, it's no loss to me that you came and killed me. He said, next week you're going to be killed. And they appeared the following week. And he spoke to them about Jesus. And they never laid a hand on him it's amazing how you, you go over that particular time we're going to come and kill you and it's the terrible weakness and the persecution Paul's saying here in, in Corinthians that when I'm weak that time of per I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardship and persecutions and difficulties but when I'm weak then I come strong you see when we're weak God takes up the slack doesn't he he takes up the slack the spirit of God comes in like a flood and so how could Paul be strong in weakness how could he be powerful in fears how could he be effective in trembling and the answer is found in verses 4 and 5 of First Corinthians chapter 2 my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom but on God's power it's good that isn't it It's wonderful when your faith doesn't rest on who's up front or how eloquent or otherwise somebody is up front but on the power, the demonstration of God's power by His Holy Spirit. That's where the faith needs to rest. Now it's very sad when you get people floating around into great big churches. I'm not saying against big churches, but they go around because they want to hear this particular guy, or that particular guy, because that guy's got the power, as it were. And yet in some wee, wee chapel, some wee hall, God works in tremendously. Always remember, years ago, uh, I was going to go to Cliff Keswick, and says, "I says, maybe I've told you this, but forget, forgive him if I've told you before. Uh, I'm getting to that stage. But I was going to go to Keswick, and Eileen um, says, no, we want to go to the, my, my aunts. I said, well, I want to go to Keswick, you know. So, like a good husband, I said, well, go to your aunts. And uh, so we went to the aunts, and there was this wee Methodist chapel, that I was championing at the bit all the time. I said, to think that I could be at the Keswick Convention. And here I am, stuck in this wee chapel and this old man gets up I mean the organ was just away and her aunt was playing the organ that was even worse I said of the praise it could be at Kessick now I'm in this wee chapel with about a dozen folks and this dear man got up and it was just powerful he spoke about Samuel a man of vision a man of God a man of vision there was a man of something I can't just remember a man of God, a man of vision And I say, thank you, Lord, and I repent. I repent of not receiving from you. This wee chapel. In fact, do you see it's Spurgeon. He came to Christ in some wee chapel. Some wee Methodist chapel. And sometimes we have got to realise it's not some great big figure that's going to be the sustainer of our Christian life. It's this demonstration of the Holy Spirit and his power. And of course that word power there is a precious word because it's dunamis in Greek. From which we get the word dynamite. This is a spiritual blast that we're talking about here of the Holy Spirit in earth. And sometimes God is so obviously in a meeting, in a gathering, you can almost feel the electricity in the place there used to be special renewal meetings up in uh, St. Andrews that I used to help to to arrange and, and there was this speaker from Ireland on one occasion and he spoke about you know that passage in the Old Testament where the water comes up to the ankle up to the knees up to the waist and it, it overflows he spoke about he, he couldn't get finished he came to this water coming up and overflowing and he says you know he says God's in this place he says, I can't, I can't really finish my sermon. He says, "He says, what's God doing? I don't know what God's doing in your life. He says, but uh, we just need to remain here. And the church, the big gathering in this church in St. Andrews, they just got down on their knees before God. And half of them came up front. Half of them stayed. Nobody left. I says, God's in this place. It didn't happen every night, by the way. It's not something you can repeat. It's not something you can work up. But there was such a demonstration of the Holy Spirit in power. Let me take you to the second and third point, because they both come together they're found there in verses 10 and 11 of First Corinthians chapter but let me read first, uh, verses 6 and 9 first of all Paul said we do not however speak a word of wisdom among the new mature but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing no we speak of God's secret wisdom a wisdom that has been given and that God destined for our glory before time began none of the rulers of this age understood it for if they had they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. What is Paul trying to say here? He's saying to us that human wisdom on its own just can't figure out the wisdom of God. You can be as intelligent as you like. And one of the wonderful things, you know, I discovered That uh, even in Kirkie Church, but I mean other churches that I've been in and preached in for years and years. There's Professor this and there's Professor that, Professor the next thing. Especially in St Andrew's Church, have you been in St Andrew's, they're all professors, and they're like kids when it comes to spiritual things. They're just learning at the child level, just like everybody else. They may be wonderful and knowledgeable in their field, but when it comes to spiritual things. Many of them are just like babes in Christ. And they want to learn, they want to grow in the Christian faith. This is something that is spiritually discerned. The natural man doesn't receive these things because they are spiritually discerned, the word of God says to us. And so we find here this wonderful, look at verses 10 and 11. That God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. Look what it says there. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And thanks to the Holy Spirit, that the truth of God is deposited in our minds. And without the helper from God, the Holy Spirit's assistance... That supernatural assistance. Folks, we are sunk. We are sunk. The wisdom of God remains a mystery. It remains a secret. That God has done something really wonderful. He has done, he's got a, he's he's a wonderful illustration of this. God's deep sea diver is the Holy Spirit. Just think of a, a sunken vessel. And the diver goes down into the sunken vessel and he comes up with the treasure. And God's Holy Spirit is like that deep sea diver. And the whole thing comes up to the surface. And the treasure that comes to the surface is so precious that it's priceless. You can't buy it. Like those characters in Acts of the Apostles. They saw the Holy Spirit work and said, Paul, here's some money, just show us how it is. he says God be against you for such a thought have ever really thought of the inner working of the Holy Spirit in this light searching God's hidden wisdom but not only is he able to dig up such truth but he's able to bring it to the surface and that's where we get the word revealing there. No wonder Paul says elsewhere in Romans eleven thirty three and 36, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his path beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory. Amen. Amen. And after you read that passage in Romans 11, you, turn, you return to 1 Corinthians 2.11. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And so here we have this second and third point of the inner working of the Holy Spirit in your life and mind. The second point is searching, searching the thoughts of God and revealing the depths of his riches. What does that say to us? Does it not teach us that when we're facing an impasse, when there doesn't seem to be a way forward, when the Spirit of God is there to assist us, that's the wonderful truth. When we can't see a way forward, up comes some treasure. Up comes some thought from God that helps us when we're experiencing grief and loss the spirit of God is there to give wisdom and insight in the crucible of pain when we encounter the unknown the spirit of God is there to keep us from being intimidated you know one of the wonderful things about it is sometimes these things come as a surprise have you ever said to yourself where did that come from? where did I get that word to speak at the right time? Where was, that th- where was that thought coming from that was planted in my mind just where I really needed where did that song come from in my mind and the word of God says he searches the deep things of God and he brings it to the surface and reveals it the searching and the revealing of the inner working of the Holy Spirit of God. And of course not everybody will see eye to eye with us in their own family situation. They won't understand that the Holy Spirit is working in their lives. And we have to move with that conviction that we have from the Holy Spirit. And you say to yourself, this is the thing that I ought to do. And that's certainly not what I should be doing. There's a conviction there. There's a settlement of peace in our minds because of what the Holy Spirit As I say, others may not agree with you, but you've been pouring over God's word. You've been before God prayer and prayer, and God's Holy Spirit has been searching the depths and revealing it, bringing it to the surface. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't always lead us into places of comfort doesn't that come through in Paul feeling that he has to go to Jerusalem and yet knowing up in Jerusalem there's going to be persecution and difficulty ahead God's Holy Spirit doesn't always lead us into places of comfort I remember hearing the story you've read the story yourself about Jackie Pullinger she was on that boat and didn't know where to get off and was asking the Lord just to reveal by his spirit where she should get off. And you may remember the story, she got off at Hong Kong into the wildest, most difficult gang area, drug culture in Hong Kong, the Airbnb, that city as it was called, where no woman should be. She was even denied any sort of help from any missionary society. But she moved at the dictates of the Holy Spirit. And she got off at Hong Kong. I've done that tremendous work. God by his Spirit. So we'll look at three areas then of the inner working of the Holy Spirit. Number one is this, demonstrating God's unique power. Number two, searching God's hidden wisdom. Number three, revealing God's deep thoughts. Let's come to the last one, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The last one is this, teaching God's profound insights. You'll see it there in verses 13 and 14 of First Corinthians 2. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And here we see in this little passage here in verses 13 and 14 that by the Holy Spirit combining spiritual truth with spiritual words we are led into unexpected territory. We're growing in confidence as the old hymn says this Spirit of God my teacher be showing the things of Christ to me. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He wants to teach God's profound insight. And we have got confidence in the Holy Spirit. He is the one that takes the things of Christ and reveals them to us. He is our teacher. He is our guide. He is our comforter. And folks, I just want to be spirit taught. Don't you? I want to be in the class of the Holy Spirit, taught by the Spirit of Truth, taking these spiritual truths as it's expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. And because we have that confidence in his teaching, become because there's a place of weakness, he brings us into a place of power. Because there's a place of ignorance, he brings us into a place of knowledge. Because we are full of human wisdom, he brings us to that divine wisdom and profound insights into the depths of God's plant. And as we grasp these depths, combining spiritual truth with spiritual words, we have just got confidence in the will of God, expressed by the teaching of the Holy Spirit. And somehow, the Church of Christ today needs to hear what the Spirit is saying to the Church of Christ. And very often that can mean saying, let's scrap the agenda in the business meeting. Let's scrap what we're doing on Sunday if it's going to be into some kind of ritual. Let there be a freshness of God the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit... Teach us. Spirit of God, my teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me. And what actually comes out of all that? How do you know the Holy Spirit is teaching you and doing something in your life? And the answer is in one word obedience. That's the response. When the Holy Spirit begins to teach you and to teach the Church of Christ, obedience has to follow. As I was preparing this for you today, I was thinking about that baptismal service that we had at Kirkie. Boy, was the water cold. (laughs) Adele and and Hugh and Ross can can testify to that. They forgot to put, they couldn't couldn't work out in Kirkie how to put the heating on. You know, there's something really special about a baptismal service. You know how the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus at his baptism? And if I can think of all the times when I felt the Holy Spirit working in power, it was an obedience to believers' baptism in people's lives. And there were young people who came to our churches and the mother and father said don't go to these baptists they're all away in the head <laughs> maybe we were at the end of the day but they would come along and their grandparents would be against them and nobody from the family would come, usually at baptism baptismal service, the family would come along but nobody would come and they would be in the waters in obedience to Christ and i really felt the Holy Spirit coming upon them, almost like a dove not quite but almost like the Holy Spirit coming upon them in real power I think that's really special. I think when we come to that place of baptism, when we come to that place of obedience, God is pleased by his Holy Spirit to come afresh upon us and to equip us for the ministry he's given to us. That's wonderful and it's really true that God can do that. I read, I read a story, let me just close with a story. I read a story recently about a man called Mr. Yates. And during the during the Depression in Texas, that would be about the 1930s, I, I can't remember that, but Cathy would remember. <laughs> in the 1930s in the Depression in Texas, he didn't have enough money to continue paying his mortgage. In fact, he was forced, like many, to live on the government subsidies of that time, 1930s, in Texas. Each day, as he tended his sheep, he worried about how he was going to pay his bills. Sometime later a seismographic crew finally arrived on his land and said that there might be oil in his land could they test and drill. After a lease was signed, they went ahead. At one thousand one hundred and five feet a huge oil reserve was struck. Subsequent wells revealed even more oil than the first well revealed, and Mr Yates owned it all. He had the oil and the mineral rights. he'd been living on relief, and yet he was a millionaire. He was living on an oil field in his own backyard, as it were. Think of it, he owned all that oil with its tremendous potential, and yet for real years, he didn't realize it. And how often are we like Mr. Yeats? We're living in relief. We're living in the poverty of our spiritual experience. And God wants to pour the oil of his Holy Spirit upon us. Fill us afresh. And revive his church. And revive his people. So what's this inner working of the Spirit in First Corinthians chapter 2? Maybe you could repeat it after me. Just demonstrating God's unique power. Let's say it together. Demonstrating God's unique power. Secondly, searching God's hidden wisdom. Searching God's hidden wisdom. Revealing God's deep thoughts. Revealing God's deep thoughts. Teaching God's profound insights. Teaching God's profound insights. The surprising prompting of the Holy Spirit that leads us to the place of obedience. Somebody wrote this. What the Saviour made possible by his death, the Holy Spirit made actual through the church. Isn't that true? What the Saviour made possible by his death, the Holy Spirit made actual through the church. I like that. Let's pray. Oh loving God I want to thank you this morning I've got a deep sea diver the Holy Spirit who plunges the depths of the hidden wisdom of God who searches that wisdom and I want to thank you Lord Jesus He brings it to the surface and reveals it to us and I just pray loving God for a, a revelation of your Holy Spirit to everyone gathered here today because we have we sometimes come in fear and weakness, and in trembling. There's all kinds of experiences that we have to face this week. But Lord, will you search your wisdom for us, by your Spirit. Will you reveal something to us, a truth, a treasure, that we can take on board, that will help us through. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.